welcome to Wealth Science. I'm your host, Jesse Fuchsia, Army Ranger, real estate investor, and income enthusiast. On this show, we uncover the keys to attaining financial freedom. There are so many people listening right now who are stuck in that day-to-day, nine-to-five rat race. Luckily, it's only temporary. Each week, we bring on guests that help us discover the steps to build financial freedom, passive income, and generational wealth so we can live the life we were born to live. Money is freedom. Let's get to the show. All right, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Wealth Science. I'm your host, Jesse Fuchsia, and today's guest is Josh Ferrari. Up until 18 months ago, unless you worked at the Aerospace Engineering Complex in Mobile, Alabama, there's no way you would have ever heard of Josh. With no network and zero experience, Josh set out on a commercial real estate journey where he raised over $6 million in 30 days going live on social media. Today, Josh has over $14 million in assets under management and is growing by the month. He has taken the capital raising space by storm and has no intention of looking back. Josh Ferrari, this is Wealth Science, brother. What's going on? Bro, that long pause you took to say my name, I was on the edge of my seat like, am I supposed to say my own name or is he about to say it? And then, then you said it and I, I'd literally been laughing the entire time. You were <laughs> good, dude. Good. Cut you a little off, uh, cut you a little off your rocker. I like that. We're starting quick and fast. That's, that's how it is here on world science, man. We play quick, we play loose, we play fast. So pumped to have you on today, dude. And, and to kind of share your journey. I mean, this whole capital raising journey that you've gone on and, and how you've really leveraged social media and all of this is, is really incredible. I think it's going to add, you know, amazing content to a lot of people out of there, um, out there. I'm, I'm curious, dude, if you don't mind just kind of giving an intro to the audience and kind of telling, um, telling them where you're from and, and where you grew up and how you kind of got started in the business. I, you could say I'm from Memphis, Tennessee. I tell everyone I'm from Memphis, Tennessee, but my dad was in the Navy for 30 years. So I am a Navy brat. We moved quite a bit, but we stayed in Memphis the longest. Uh, so they're actually still there now. He had finally retired and he, I think he's going to stay in Memphis, but from Memphis lived there till I was 20 years old. I'm 24 now. So about four years ago, I graduated from college or it was like a trade school to become an aircraft technician got my airframe and power plant license and then got a job out here in mobile alabama which is where i've been for the last four years you know honestly i didn't even know where this was when i got the job offered like there was a literally came in the it, I can't remember if it's email or in the mail but i got this letter of some sort that i'm looking at it tells me that I've been like accepted or asked to go to this interview or blah, blah, at this company in Mobile, Alabama. I'm like, where is Mobile, Alabama? <laughs> sure enough, it's down here on the Gulf Coast. It's right here on the Florida, kind of the Florida panhandle spot here. Um, yeah, moved down here four years ago. Thought I was starting a longstanding career in aviation. Thought I was going to be in it for like 45 plus years get my roughly about three years experience, which is the minimum most larger airlines require before you can go work for them. Then I was like, maybe I'll go back to FedEx, which is uh, in Memphis. They're the primary hub. I'll work my way up the corporate ladder there, make $120,000, $130,000 a year. And 
live on a little piece of land out in the country. That was, that was the vision. That was the life goal um, at that point. And then got married because moved down here in July of 17, got married in November of 17. And then went on the honeymoon, wife came back. She or moved my wife in to our, my place in Mobile. And we were probably newlyweds for like less than two months. And then in January of 18, my dad calls me up and tells me that him and my mom are going to start flipping houses. And I was intrigued to say the least. I was like, where are you going to get the money? You know, you don't even know what you're doing. You don't know any contractors. You've never done real estate investing before. We've all only ever watched HGTV before. Like, I feel like <laughs> it's probably not like that. Like, I feel like it's different. And they kept answering all of my concerns slash questions. And it seemed like they just had something to combat everything I was saying. And so I continued to become intrigued. And then it was when they told me that I could make more than my annual salary in a few months on one deal that I was hooked. I was like, <laughs> bam, that is fantastic. How, how Sign me up. How do you do that? So I wasn't sure that flipping was necessarily going to be for me, but I remember getting off the phone, phone call and just being like, I don't know, ecstatic to learn more about the industry as a whole because I didn't know anything. So I just thought that there was like, there's something here. I don't know what it is, but there's something and I'm going to figure out about it. I ended up reading 40 books that first year, listening to gazillions of different podcasts. I was going to three different local real estate meetups. There's more books than I had ever read, you know, in my entire 21 years of existence at the time. And I was going head first, really into the industry to try to figure out what I wanted to do. And then of course, Fast forward to today. Now I've got 200. So this was this yeah, 2018. This? I'm curious. I mean, how long did so, all that take? And- this is January of 2018. Yeah. Now we're in, so it's almost in four years. We're in October of 2021 at this point. So almost four years. And I now have 239 units, another 88 units under contract. We were looking at 200 unit deals and 300 unit deals and other, other opportunities where we're really trying to scale to a thousand units this year. It's looking like that'll trickle into next year, but our true vivid vision goal, which for us is at the end of, uh, 2023 at this point is to have $100 million asset center management. And if myself and my two business partners can achieve that goal, then all three of us can get out of our W-2s, go full-time in the business, really become the visionaries of the company that we want to be, hire out full-time asset management, you know, underwriting, marketing, acquisitions. We can hire out all those ancillary day-to-day minutiae tasks so that we can stay we can stay working on the business more so than in the business. At the end of the day, that's the true vision. The passive lifestyle is what we're chasing. So yeah, that's me. <laughs> Dude, I'm, I'm curious. I mean, you talk about this all the time and I think it's so important to note is the, the idea of this vivid vision. And it almost sounds like really, and I'm curious what you think on this, like that's almost like should be the first step. Like before you take that first step or, or in that process of taking the first couple of steps, like writing down exactly, you know, what you want to do and, and what your desired end state is and how that's going to drive the team. Like, I'm, I'm curious how you came, came across your vivid vision and how important you think that is to, you know, uh, an investor or someone going down this journey. Right. So I definitely think it's crucial. I definitely think it's critical to understanding or having a target to aim at, you know, there's that famous cliche saying of, if you ain't got nothing to aim at, you're going to miss the target every time. So having a target is 
crucial, but I don't necessarily think that maybe that's the first thing you should do. Because for me, when I first started, I didn't know anything about anything. So I didn't even like my mindset hadn't been created, so to say, to even think big enough to a hundred million. You know, I I would have never thought that in a million years, I would have been like, I would just like to be a millionaire one day, you know, maybe that would have been the goal at the beginning. Uh, And then your, your vision or your goal is going to continue to evolve, which is why typically the vision is written three years in the future. Cause in three years you'll be thinking differently and you'll be a different person and you'll be further along and you'll probably have an even bigger goal at that point. So it's going to be this like evolution as you continue to grow. But how I actually came across the vision was a bigger pockets, um, podcast actually they brought the author of the book vivid vision cameron harold on to the show to talk about it and brandon turner talked about how he wrote his in like a couple hours and read the whole book in a couple hours and i was like there's just no way i'm gonna be able to do that i'm not a copywriter by any means but i think that what they're talking about is intriguing and i think it could potentially benefit me granted this was this was probably a year before i actually wrote my legitimate like vivid vision that we have now. So I found out about it and I'm like, okay, I'm going to go home. I'm going to like, I just want to read this book. And then once I read the book and I understand a little bit more what it's about, then I want to actually sit down and create the vision. So I read the book, I'm all hyped up and excited, ready to do this thing. And then I sit down on multiple different occasions, like going to the beach or going for a walk somewhere or trying to sit down at the computer or working out. Like I'm just trying to think, about what I would type out and what it would actually look like or sound like. And I just have like massive writer's block. I just can't think of anything. I don't know how to articulate what I'm thinking. If I'm even thinking anything at all, I'm like, where do I want to be? I don't even know. What am I doing? And so I ended up settling for bullet points. I know I settled, but I was like, I just have to get something on paper. So I just wrote down, you know, like, want $10 million asset management or want this many units by this date or want two kids by this date or, you know, personal business, wrote down all the goals just in quick bullet point format. and was like, all right, this is it right here. Boom. Got it. Like I have successfully written my vivid vision. It was far from vivid. It's hardly even a vision, but it was there. It was on a piece of paper and I, a year goes by and I did not really move the needle as far as I wanted to towards these goals. And I'm not sure if it's because I just chose to stick with bullet points or if it's because I just wasn't, I I don't know. I really have no idea why, but I blamed it on the fact that one, I wasn't motivated enough behind the, the target because I settled for these bullet points. So I actually heard another interview on the same podcast with, of course, Brandon Turner, David Green, and Cameron Harold once again. They bring him back on to talk about Vivid Visions. And it was almost like a sign, you know, like, okay, I've got this dumb Vivid Vision here. It's not even vivid. And they're talking about it. And Cameron Harold actually mentioned a company, cannot remember the name of the company, but he mentioned a company specifically that does copywriting for his Vivid Visions. I'm like, that's it. Why don't I just get someone else to copyright it? I don't know what I'm doing. Everyone says you should outsource everything else. I'll just outsource this. It'll be great. So I start reading into it and like I set up like an interview and everything with this company. And they they tell me it's going to be like 10 grand or something like that to do this copywriting. And I'm like, 
I just don't have 10 grand. I feel like spending on this right now. So great. I'm stuck in the same predicament. Here I am bullet points. Can't I'm not moving anywhere. So I was like, you know what? Screw it. I'm just going to sit down and I'm going to actually write this thing. I'm going to take initiative, take action and figure out what this looks like. So it took me about a month of sitting down at different times and, you know, getting my shower thoughts together and actually getting everything on paper. But once I got it on paper and I had this, what I felt like was a very vivid vision, I sent it over to my two business partners. I was like, Hey guys, this is what I've been working on for honestly the last year, but really specifically the last month, (laughs) like putting this together. This is kind of the direction I feel like I went ahead in the vision. I think that we, that I kind of have for the company uh, you know, give me your thoughts. Give me your input. Is there anything in here that you think sounds outlandish? Is there anything that you think I'm like not reaching high enough or you kind of want to take out or tweak? Like, just let me know, read over it. Cause I want us to all be on the same page so we can all be reaching for the same goal. And they read over it and they were like, honestly, this sounds amazing. Like this is exactly the direction I want to head in. And we just never took the time to sit down and put it on paper. So like, thank you for actually sitting down and doing that. Cause now we have, Uh, a plan of attack, so to say that a documented piece of paper that says, this is what we're trying to do. And this is what we've been trying to do for the last three years. So now we can look at it and review it and kind of reverse engineer the direction, like how we're actually going to get there. Like, okay, we want a hundred million dollars as a term management. How are we going to do that? What does that mean? We need to do on a yearly basis. What does that mean? We need to do on a quarterly basis, on a monthly basis. And so once you reverse engineer it all the way back to like your, your daily action, you quickly find out, okay, it's very simple steps that we need to take to actually get there, but we need to make sure that we're consistent and we need to make sure we're actually following what we want so we can achieve what we want because we could have written all that down and then not followed it and still been like, you know, successful. So to say, we get there, but it, the business or the culture or the employee count or the actual financial piece that like a lot of that could have not aligned with what we were actually looking for, which a big thing for us was when we create this vivid vision, we want the lifestyle to be what we want it to be, because there are a lot of different ways to make money in real estate. You can flip houses, you can wholesale, you can buy self-storage, you can syndicate, you can literally probably lick the floor and make money. I don't know. There's just so many different ways. It's incredible, but we wanted the, we wanted the lifestyle of passive to fully succumb and encompass our business and encompass us so that we can do what it is that we actually wanted to do. So in order to do that, we had to find a niche that we not only enjoyed, but also met that criteria. And then we had to zero in on actually achieving and purchasing these particular niche and following the business plan to get there. And the Vivid Vision helped a lot with doing that. So I think that was a big roundabout way of answering your question, but I hope I answered it. Dude, I mean, no, it's great. And I think the number one thing that, and you hit so many good things, but the number one thing that I liked is, is you sending it to your teammates and whatever, hey, hey guys, what can I do better at here? What, what am I not reaching higher enough? Because Kim Harrell talks about that in the book. He's like, when you get everyone on the team working towards the same goal or in this situation, the same vivid vision, now you're successful compound, whatever, fivefold, tenfold, a hundredfold. When you have everyone on the team who understands the end state and, and what the backwards plan is to achieving that. So dude, I, that's, I mean, I think it's super important. And I also completely agree with you. Maybe it's not the first, 
first thing you need to do, but in that process of, of getting started or, or really getting to the next level and taking it serious, it's definitely, you know, highly recommended. And obviously it's helped you find a lot of success. I'm, I'm curious, and I, and I know your role on, on your specific team is the capital raising and investor relations piece. What was kind of your beginning to the capital raising piece and, and how did you kind of get started in that? I'm curious. Uh, so I had zero experience in capital raising unless you quantify getting money from my dad to help me buy a fourplex that he was going to have no equity in capital raising. (laughs) I don't really qualify that, but that was, you could say the beginning of it. Uh, and then from there, when I was getting deeper and deeper into the multifamily and I had a business partner and we were actively searching for deals and analyzing and submitting offers and touring properties and doing the whole thing that you got to do to be successful in this business. I never really saw myself as a capital raiser. He was the one that not only had the financial backing uh, from a net worth, liquidity, that kind of thing, but also he had, he was much older than me. So naturally throughout his years of experience, he had more connections to folks with capital and had created more relationships specifically in the space. Cause he'd also been in the space longer than me. So I was like, we'll just lean on him for that. And I'll be the guy that handles investor relations and I'll find all the deals and I'll be the face of the brand and I'll be the marketer. And like, I'll do everything that I can to add as much value, but I just don't see me as a capital raiser because I don't know anyone with money. Well, then July or June of 2020 rolls around. And I see something on Facebook that a guy I've been following for a while, probably like two years at this point, who was used to be a member of the local real estate meetup that I was going to and had since graduated to moving from Pensacola to Nashville to start his seven figure business after having only been in the industry for three years. I'm like, this guy's doing something right. I got to figure out what that is. And he's posting that he's doing this this capital raising challenge. And I was like, I don't even know what that even means. I don't know what this is going to entail. I've never raised capital before, but the challenge is called 30 days to 500 K. So it's literally like, okay, in 30 days, you're going to raise $500,000. I said, there's no way I'm going to do that. But for all, he was only charging a hundred dollars to get in. It's like for only a hundred bucks, Worst case, I learned something, don't raise any money, but at least I learned something. At least I have a better grasp and understanding of what my partner is going through. So maybe in the future, as we continue to go down this path, maybe that will be something that I can help in because I'll have a better understanding of how it works. Well, I joined the challenge day one. He says, all right, you're going to go live on social media once a day for 30 days. And honestly, I hated social media up until this point. I had a Facebook and I had a LinkedIn and I had an Instagram account, but I had zero followers. I'd never posted zero or few followers. I never posted anything. I never even got on it to like scroll and like other people's things. Now, some people never post, but they're on it like every day, like yeah, other yeah, people's yeah. stuff. <laughs> that was not me. I just thought it was very negative place. I didn't want that in my life. And especially getting around the the wealth mindset and the business focused mindset, I'm like, I just don't feel like this is where it is, where, where it's at, you know? Well, I was extra wrong. And I get into this challenge. He says, we're going to go live. So I go, I had to Google how to go live on Facebook. <laughs> I didn't even know where the button was. 
So I find the button, I go live, I'm nervous as all get out. I'm like, I, I just want y'all to know I'm extra, extra nervous. I hope that things get easier as we progress along this path. But for now, um, the, I am doing a money raising challenge, blah, blah, blah. And I finished the first video and it gets like no views, no likes, no comments. And I'm like, all right, you know, I kind of figured I didn't really, I don't really feel like anyone's following me that has money that wants to give it to me. Uh, day two goes by similar, maybe a couple of likes, maybe one or two views. And then probably about day six or seven, I started getting a little bit of traction. Folks started actually reaching out. Uh, DMing me, commenting, liking the posts, started getting more folks actually watching the videos. And they weren't videos talking specifically about real estate. There was probably seven days out of the 30 days that I was like, hey, here's the capital stack. Here's how much money you can actually make if you invest in real estate. Here's the structure of syndication. Because all that stuff's kind of boring, if we're being honest. Like it's it's critical to the actual success of an investment and you need to understand those things, but it's boring. I'm, I'm not getting on social media to watch what the capital stack is on your deal. That's not what I'm excited to hear no. about. So I was talking more about my personal life. The The speaker, um, the guy who was running the challenge, he made it very pertinent that you needed to talk about things other than just real estate. Like talk about your family, your faith, your hobbies, just life. Talk about the emotional side of you and treat it as if it's your own personal reality show and just, you know, get out there and be yourself, be authentic, be genuine. You'd be surprised how many people start reaching out. And I'm like, I don't think I'm gonna be surprised, but all right, we'll, uh, we'll give this a go. So of course, uh, day six, day seven, I start getting some feedback there. And by the end of the 30 days, I got $6 million in soft commitments. Granted, this was not money actually in the bank. Make sure I, everyone knows that. But these were folks that I was having conversations with that said, yes, they had access, liquid access to this level of capital. They liked me as an individual. They wanted to invest with me if I brought them a deal that made financial sense per the like example deal that we were kind of reviewing together on the phone. And I was blown away. It's like 6 million. This is 30 days. Are you serious? Like, I had no idea that I knew that many people that had money or even that were interested in me or giving me money since I had never done it before. So it was kind of like a mind blowing experience. And then I, I realized at that point that, okay, there is something that I am seriously missing with the social media piece. I need to be extra more involved in social media. So I remember trying to hire a social media manager. I, I was like going all in. I, I don't have a social media manager anymore, but I remember hiring one in the beginning and I was, I hired like a, a marketing, uh, what did I call them? Like a marketing specialist or something. And I was like really trying to zero in on what all this stuff needed to look like and what I needed to post and how often I needed to post and what time of the day I needed to post and what platform I needed to post and did the post need to be different if it was Instagram, Facebook, or LinkedIn. And bro, I was, I was in the trenches and it was probably a little too much. I've since backed off a little bit, but I definitely think that social media has been critical to my success as a, as a capital raiser and as just a syndicator and investor in general, because you learn a lot from it just in general, from the folks that you follow, if you're following the right people, let me put it that way. You learn a lot from folks that are providing content and have new updated information that they're actually spending their time to go out and research and find out about and then write up and then post. So 
you know, if it's there, I'll take two minutes to read it or whatever. And I'll learn something from it. So you learn something, you network with a lot of people, which for me, that was the biggest thing, the networking. That's what got me to the 6 million. That's what's got me to the 14 million and assets under management that we have now. All of the capital I've ever raised has been from social media and or friends and family uh, or referrals from friends and family and or folks I met on social media. So it's, it's all network based and networking is like the number one thing you can do on social media. Yeah. I mean, I think social media and it's funny, like we're recording this right after whatever Facebook and uh, um, I'm drawing a blank, whatever else closed down yesterday. Like the world basically stopped turning. Like people were like jumping off of, uh, of like buildings. Like it was crazy. I mean, people were like freaking out, but it like just goes to show. And it's funny because it's like just a present example of how powerful the leverage of social media is, you know, not just in that sense, but in this sense of like connecting and networking and, and talking to people and, and getting uh, the word out there. And, and yeah, it's, it's just incredible. I'm, I'm curious what you think also along the lines of like, and you've already talked about it a little bit with the authenticity of the videos and like seven of the 30 days were, were, were about real estate and the other 20 something days were like you walking your dog or I don't know, maybe you out with your wife and stuff like that. I mean, when it comes to the concept, I'm, I'm curious what you think people invest in you before they invest in the deal. I mean, do you agree with that? Disagree? And, and what are your thoughts on kind of the authenticity side of, uh, you know, you utilizing live videos and, and stuff like that? Yeah. You know, we were doing the dog walk talks. No, I'm just kidding. That was you. <laughs> Definitely think authenticity is the been the key to my success. And I think a lot of people's success because, there's a cliche saying out there. And every time I say this, some folks are like, oh, I've never heard of that. And I'm like, well, maybe it's just me. I thought it was cliche. But there's a saying that says most folks buy on emotion and justify it with logic later. Well, it's a study done and it's actually true. 95% of the population, not just Americans, not just Himalayans, not like whatever, not just any one specific type of ethnicity of individual, all humans, 95% are buying on emotion and justifying it with logic later. So if you think about it, 95% of the population is going into a conversation or going into watching a video or going into reading a post or going into everything in life, trying to connect to it on some form of an emotional level. Why are we just talking about capital stacks and investments and, and equity and how much money they can make? Like, I'm not excited when I hear other people talk about it and I'm in the business and I love the business. Why would someone not in the business that they're trying to attract as a passive investor or as any kind of anything else, why would they be interested? You know, what is going to really reel them in? The emotion, the genuine authenticity of the individual. And what that looks like is literally different for every single person. For me, it was just what was happening in life at that specific time. This was July of 2020 when COVID was crazy. We were going through like a drive through covid testing thing one day where they just take a swab and like just shove it up your nose and just like let's just do a video and be like hey this is what we're at this is what we're doing here's the thing what's up you know i don't even remember i don't even remember what we said but it was totally utterly random and but it was relatable everyone's like oh i've gotten tested and you know getting the thing stuck up your nose sucks or i don't even remember what folks said but the relatability is what folks were drawn to and then once they connect to you on that emotional level, and they kind of want to know who, what you're all about, that's when they actually want to have a one-on-one -on -one conversation with you to figure out, 
if you're actually someone they want to maybe potentially partner with or just create a relationship with. Honestly, every conversation I've ever gone into since that challenge, since before that, I was very not this minded. But after the challenge, after I learned all this stuff, every conversation I've gone into, I've gone into with the intent to just create a relationship with the individual. I want to know more about their their background. I want to know who they are. I want to know, you know, where, where'd you grow up? You know, do you have a wife? Do you have a husband? Do you have kids? Do you have a, a dog, a cat? Do you live on a bunch of acres? Do you like hunting? What are like some of your hobbies? Just tell me about you. Let's, let's pretend like this is the, the playground or something. I don't know. Let's just like, Hey, my name's Josh. What's your name? Like, I just want to learn about you as an individual. And once that happens, once we connect that way, it's almost immediate that they it's either me or mostly them actually that kind of leads the conversation back to real estate because they got drawn to me initially from a video or from whatever that I did that talked about real estate or talked about what I'm doing in real estate. And so they want to know about me, but then they're like, Hey, so tell me more about this real estate thing that you're doing. Tell me what, like, like, what do you mean passive investor? What, what does that even mean? How do I, how would I do something like that? What if I don't have any money, but I want to be a passive investor? What if I don't have any money, but I want to get into real estate or, you know, it's not only passive investors that I was communicating with. There's also folks that were active that were like, hey, I want to do a challenge like this, or I want to do some, you know, it's all different types of people from different walks of life that you communicate with. And once you connect with them emotionally and really try to know the individual, not just like, like, hey, what's your name? How much are you looking to invest? You know, here's the deal that I've got. How much money are you going to throw at it when the opportunity comes? Nobody's going to want to throw anything at you. No one's going to want to even talk to you because you're just trying to jump right to the throw money at me point. And honestly, I'm at the point now where folks are throwing money at me and I haven't even had a conversation with them, which I feel like is maybe a good problem, quote unquote, to have. But I always like to make sure that I have a conversation with someone before I accept their money. So if someone is trying to get into our investor portal or watched our webinar and is reaching out and they want to invest, I want to have a conversation with you. I want to know who you are, everything we talked about before, where you're from. And then after I know you, I want to know about your investment kind of like criteria. Like, okay, well, we've got this one particular deal you said you're interested in, but tell me more about what you're really looking for. And you'd be surprised. A lot of people actually don't know what they're looking for. So you kind of get to help them figure out what they're looking for because you help educate them along the process. But some people are very laser focused and they already know what they're looking for. So you just ask the question and they're like, I'm looking for 50 units and up B and C class assets only, only in these markets, no tertiary markets, no secondary markets, only at this purchase price. Here's how much I'm going to invest. Like they'll just lay it all out for you. And it's like, all right, perfect. Take all the notes I can put it down in a, in a list. And then when that specific opportunity comes up, you reach out to them. So I think I've gotten on a tangent at this point, but to close out your initial question, the authenticity, I think it's crucial. I think it's critical. And if you're not authentic, authentic and genuine, then I don't think anyone, one is going to invest with you or be in any kind of relationship with you. Like, how are you going to have a business partner? How are you going to have a spouse? How are you going to have anything in life if you're just fake all the time? 
Yeah, dude. So, so powerful. And I love, I mean, people buy an emotion just by logic. I mean, that's awesome. I mean, that is, that's so true. And I can think of so many examples just in my own life where I've made that mistake and kind of done that, but it's, it's human nature, dude. It's like, it's like hard to control, but obviously you and Ruben Greth put on the creative capital challenge this past year. And that kind of jump started my capital raising journey where same situation of you had never raised a nickel from anyone, never even went live on Facebook, went live for 30 days and ended up raising uh, $300,000 and in soft commits just for, for real estate deals. And it's like half the people, when I was talking to people, people would be like, Jesse, I had no idea you were even in real estate. And it's like unleashing that secret identity that people don't know. And like, I would, I would just stress this, whether it's real estate, if it's Bitcoin, if it's anything, um, if you're not getting on social media every day and letting your immediate network know that like you're in this space, like people just aren't going to know. Um, I, I had a follow-up question I wanted to hit you with. And, and one of the people that I raised uh, money from in August was a, a, a colleague in the military with me who I knew for years and just didn't know I was in real estate. And he had done really well in like the GameStop thing during this pot past spring and had like, it, it's a crazy story, but long, long story short, he has like, you know, a hundred thousand dollars sitting in a savings account right now. I'm, I'm curious with like the investors that you speak to, and he had no idea about passively investing and stuff like that. With the investors you speak to, Josh, like what are some things that they bring up that are like, man, Josh, I never knew that inflation is eating uh, my money in my savings account right now, or I had no idea I could just, you know, hand, uh, you know, invest in you, and then you are the active partner and I'm the passive partner. Like, I'm, I'm curious your thoughts on that and what you've kind of ran into. I mean, there's definitely some uh, conversations I had where folks weren't fully comprehensive about what exactly passive investing was, or a, a lot of that different criteria there. But I think. For the most part, most folks that I talked to had a, a basic understanding of real estate. They just needed to know specifics about syndication. Like, okay, tell me more about the syndicating thing. What does that mean? Uh, you know, is there paperwork involved? Is it a liquid investment, an illiquid investment? Am I actually going to make money, or is it just going to just sit in an account and you'll just give it back to me at whatever time? You know, what is the likelihood that the property burns down? You know, what what if Worst case scenario happens, then what happens with my money? Folks had a lot of those specific types of questions, not really like, bro, I had no idea you could actually do this. But I actually did have a couple of people reach out to me. I had one guy that I have had only met twice in my entire life. And I met him when I was like 10, 11 years old. He was in the neighboring neighborhood across from where I grew up. And I went over there. He went to a different school and everything, but we just lived close. And I had some buddies that went to the same school as him. And so they were like, hey, let's go talk to this guy. But I only ever saw him twice. So I guess he really wasn't that great a friend. I don't know. But hung out with him two, two times as just a little kid and never really talked to him again. I guess we became Facebook friends at that point because he started seeing what I was posting on social media uh, or on Facebook specifically. And he reached out to me and said he had $50,000 and he had actually been thinking about putting it into real estate, but he wasn't sure what that looked like. Here I am presenting these opportunities, like these fictitious opportunities at the time, because I didn't have a deal, but th these things that were legitimately possible. And so he had that conversation with me and I, I was like, dude, this is so crazy. We've literally like, this is our third time ever having a conversation and you're trying to give me 50k and we met like 
15 on the playground years. like 20 like 10 years like ago. how many years ago i don't even know this is wild so i did have some pe- some old old friends actually reach out to me that either had money or just wanted to catch up i had folks i had been in aviation at this point for five years i think yeah five years and i had folks reach out to me like dude i didn't even know you were in aviation like that's how <laughs> that's how little i was on social media and I was like, yeah, I mean, I've been in it for a while now. We're down here in Mobile. They're like, yeah, I still thought you were in Memphis living at your, your parents' house. And it's like, wow, literally no one, no one knew anything about my life. So just getting out there and letting them know that was definitely critical, like what you mentioned. But as far as like guiding people along when, with their questions, it was a lot of explanation about syndication. There was a lot of folks that just don't understand it. I mean, I didn't understand it when I first got into it. There's definitely a lot of nuances and intricacies to the business. But I think when you, when you put it all together and folks kind of grasp what it is and how it works, they get excited. I mean, you can just tell you're on the phone. You're not, maybe not necessarily seeing them face to face. You can tell their ears are perking up. Their eyes are getting wide. Their brain is like getting big and they're getting just excited with this information you're telling them because they'll ask one question and the response will be positive. And so they're like, everything can't be positive. So they ask another question and that response is positive. And then they're like, well, let me ask this one. And that one's surely going to be negative. And then that one's positive. And they're, they're just getting more and more excited about potentially investing with you. And granted, everything's not right. Cupcakes and rainbows. Of course, there's definitely some negative sides, but once we, when I actually talk about the negative, I'm like, here's what could potentially happen that's bad, but here's how we actually combat that and how we prevent this from actually happening. So worst case scenario, here's what's actually going to happen versus what you might've thought would have happened had we not gone over this or had we not gotten the proper insurance or whatever the case is. Uh, here's, here's worst case scenario over here. And they're like, wow, that's worst case. Um, and granted worst case is actually them losing all their money. So some folks are like, oh, I knew it. It's a scam. It's a Ponzi scheme. And I'm like, no, no, it's not a scam or a Ponzi scheme, but I mean, this is an investment, you know, you're, you're trusting that this is actually going to pan out. And yes, the worst case is that you could lose all your money, but here's the plausibility of that actually happening. Like, let's go back. 30, 40 years. Let's review all of the folks that have syndicated before. Let's look at how many investors or how many deals have actually done worst case scenario. And it's very few. Granted, I don't have the numbers off the top of my head, but very few out of the probably hundreds of thousands, if not millions of transactions at this point that have been accomplished in multifamily specifically and syndications, not many tank to where you lose all your money, unless it's just someone that really didn't know what they were doing from the get-go. And if that's the case, then here's what we're doing differently other than this guy that failed miserably. And here's why we're going to combat all the things that he did wrong. And then they feel a lot more comfortable and they're like, okay, not only is the investment itself like recession resistant or, you know, whatever the case is, but this particular individual, this sponsor that I'm talking to, he really knows what he's talking about. So I can trust that he is going to know what to do with my money and with the asset and that he's actually going to return it. Cause honestly, at the end of the day, most investors that talk to me, their biggest concern is that they're not going to get their money back. Like the, the whole double Xing their money and all these tax benefits and everything, that's all like a side benefit to them. And yes, that's the reason that they invest in the first place, but their real concern is like, I'm giving you 50K 
am I going to get my 50K back in five years or whatever the case is? Yes. Yes. You're going to get it back. I promise. That is, that is the direction that we're headed. And I said, I promise, I don't actually promise that to anybody. So just pretend I didn't say that, but I can almost guarantee is like 99.9% sure that that is the direction we're headed in. And here's how we're going to do it. Here's exactly what that's going to look like. And then that kind of puts, puts them at ease, so to say. And then that's when they get excited. That was the positive after positive after positive that I was talking about where they bring a negative up and I'm like, here's how we combat that. They bring a negative up. Well, here's how we combat that. And then they're, they're like, wow, I didn't know this was just such an awesome you know, I didn't know this was even possible. And then before you know it, they're, they're trying to throw money at me. And then I, I ask them if they know anyone else. And they're like, I got a group of 50 dudes that would be interested in that. I don't actually talk to all 50 people, of course, but they might introduce me to one or two people. And that's all I need because then I get referrals from them. And it's just a never ending cycle. It's uh, it's so incredible. I mean, the power of the referral, the referral is like incredible. It's it it, uh, it tenfolds your network and and who could be interested. It's it's so. Uh, I know you're a big advocate of that. Um, but yeah, no, it's super incredible to hear that. Uh, you know, as we wrap up and hop into the bonus round here, I'm just going to hit you with two more questions. Not necessarily real estate or raising capital related, but maybe a little bit more on the personal side. I, I know you speak a lot to the uh, the concept of limiting beliefs and what goes into like crushing limiting beliefs. And obviously, you're 24 years old. You're you have 14 million dollars in assets under management. I mean, getting out on Facebook Live 30 straight days. You know, crushing limiting beliefs. Josh, might as well be your middle name if you think about it. Uh, I'm curious your thoughts, man. Someone who's out there listening right now who's maybe stuck or is afraid to take that jump or take that leap, what's something they can start doing right now to start crushing that limiting belief? I think you can just start educating yourself. We were just talking about all the folks that didn't know that syndication was possible, that they didn't know all the different ways you can combat what you're worried about. You know, the biggest thing that I hear about of folks that want to invest in real estate is I don't want to unclog toilets in the middle of the night for my tenant. I have never done that in my entire life. And I will never do that in my entire life because I have systems and processes and a team in place that would handle that if that becomes a legitimate issue. But more often than not, that is not a legitimate issue. So it's all of the myths that go, that like encompass the industry or encompass what you're trying to do that you just believe. You just, you hear them so many times and you, you maybe hear some of the horror stories over here and over there. And you're like, oh my gosh, I just couldn't even fathom that that happened to me. Like I lost $60,000 on a fourplex house hack and I, I'm still recovering from that. Like you, you, you might not have known that, but it, the, it's the, the horror stories that you hear that you get so scared about. And you're like, I can't do it. I don't want to pursue. I'm just going to stick with what's comfortable. I'm just going to stay in my comfort zone. And if you just get out there and start reading or talking to people that are actually in the industry, because probably what you're doing is you're talking to folks not in the industry that are in your cubicle in the office. And you're like, Hey, this is what I'm looking at doing. And they're all telling you bad things about it and telling you you shouldn't do it. And here's why you shouldn't do it because they believe the exact same myths. What you should be doing is talking to folks that are already in the industry or that have seen success in it and be like, how did you break out of this? What did, what did you do? Like, is this actually a legitimate thing or is it a myth? Is this a legitimate problem I could come into or, or what? And once you start educating yourself and learning that there really aren't that many, honestly, I feel like it's more risky not to invest than to invest, but that's just me. So 
figuring out what's comfortable for you, what's possible, what myths, what the actual myths are versus what they're not and understanding what it is that you're actually trying to accomplish. Like if real estate investing is what you would accomplish, then understand it, comprehend what it's all about and all the different strategies and niches and things that go into it. So you can figure out what works for you. And that will start driving you to destroy the limiting belief that you had in the beginning of like, I can never do this. I'll never be a millionaire. This will never happen. I'll never raise money. Cause I had all those very same limiting beliefs because I came from nothing. So I was just like, if I just start somewhere, I feel like I'll get there eventually. Like I, I really want to get there much sooner rather than later, but if it takes a long time, then it takes a long time. And I just know that if I'm consistent and I keep going and I keep educating and I keep networking that all of the limiting beliefs and you, you basically have limiting beliefs in your head, even when you think you have none, like me, I right now have a limiting belief that I'll be a billionaire. Just don't think it's going to happen. It's too far fetched. It's too far in the future. A billion dollars. That's freaking crazy. I'm only at 14 million right now. So but there probably will come a time 10 years from now, 15 years from now, 20 years from now, where we will be approaching that goal. And I'll be like, wow, like never would I have thought that this was possible. So you, as you continue to dive deeper into the industry, your limiting beliefs continue to get crushed and continue to dwindle. And you start thinking bigger and bigger because you start surrounding yourself with the right people. So I know that was a whole lot for one question, but Bam. There you go. Dude, ex- expected nothing less. I didn't, I did not expect a, a one sentence answer on that. Hey, stop talking to the people in the cubicle and, and start finding out the people out there who are crushing it and start listening to them. I mean, it's, it's yeah. Start associating with the right people um, is, is really what I think it comes down to. But yeah, did not expect a, a one sentence answer on that one. So I was, I uh, got exactly what I, did, uh, what I was thinking. Last thing I'll hit you with dude, before we wrap up, and this should be easy because you've got the vivid vision already written out. Uh, Josh Ferrari's living the perfect life, bro. What's going on? What's going on in the perfect life? Well, three years from now, or technically two years from now, uh, at the end of 2023, if we can hit $100 million asset center management, I'm no longer working a W-2. I am legitimately the what, what I quantify as the visionary of the company, which is probably something more along the lines of a CEO or a COO or whatever the title may be. Uh, that's undetermined. But once we get there, we'll have a better understanding of what that might look like once we start hiring out these other positions. So I'm picturing spending a lot of time with my family. I'm picturing uh, I'll only be 26, 26 or 27 okay. at the time. So I not like I'm going to be old and decrepit and ready to retire. <laughs> I'm still going to be excited about not only being in the industry, but also having this million dollar, multi-million dollar business. So I'm definitely probably still going to be working in the business 15, 20, 25 hours a week, but eliminating that that 40 hour work week where I can spend more time with the family. I really want to go granted. I'll probably, my daughter will probably only be like two or something like that. But then the perfect world, when we have, you know, our kids are older and they're starting to do like extracurriculars or whatever, you know, I want to go to all the ballet lessons. I want to go to the soccer practices and the swim meets. And I want to be a very involved husband and a very involved parent. And I know that I wouldn't have been able to do that had I done what I thought my uh, 
my dream job was, which was be a fighter pilot. And then I went to being a commercial airliner. And then I went to being an aircraft technician and all three of those would not allow for my, my dream, you know, life, which is what we're talking about now, which is just being very involved. So not only that, but I also want to make an impact on more, on a lot of people. Like, I don't know really what that entails entirely, but in the division, we talk about how we want to give a hundred thousand dollars away to various charities in 2023 and how I actually want to not only just give money away, I want to actually spend my time, whether it's a week, two weeks, three weeks in some lesser city in the United States. I don't want to go to some third world country. There's plenty of issues right here in the United States, somewhere in the U S that's less fortunate. I want to go there, bring a bunch of money with me, bring a bunch of people with me, bring our team. And I want to take care of the less fortunate, what that looks like. I don't know. Maybe I'll educate them about real estate. <laughs> I really don't know, but I, that is what I want to do making an impact from that perspective. And then I also want to make uh, an impact on the passive and active perspective, all our passive investors, I want them to be generating wealth alongside us as we generate wealth. So we all kind of grow together. And then our uh, all the other active investors out there, that's why I started the podcast, because I want them to understand what investing is and all the different creative strategies. Uh, we titled it Creative Capital because it's all about the million, gajillion, infinity different creative strategies there are to grow and preserve wealth via real estate investing. So teaching them how to do it. I want to have like over 2 million downloads in the next two years. I'm currently at like 86. So I've got a way to go, but I'm on the way. 86,000, <laughs> 86,000, not, not 86, but dude, you're the man. I can't thank you enough for, for coming on today. Obviously if people want to get a hold of you afterwards, you know, whether it's capital raising, I know you have an awesome podcast. If they're interested in future deals or any way to get a hold of you, what, what's the best way to connect? Just going to our website at ferraricapital.com. All of our social media links are there. Basically, all the information you could ever even fathom is there on the website. Josh, you're the man, brother. I appreciate you taking the time, coming on, sharing some great knowledge today and awesome content. And there's no doubt in my mind it's going to add value. And uh, and like you said, uh, like you said before, brother, we're all going to grow together, which I love that mentality. Um, let's do it together, dude. So I, I, I'm, I'm going to switch the, the host mic. I'm going to take the host mic for the last two, three minutes of the show here before we close out. And I want to ask you, what is your ideal Jesse Fuchsia lifestyle? I don't know, five years from now. Jesse Fuchsia, five years from now, I'll be 31 years old and completely financially free working from home, uh, passively investing or probably actively investing, but still, you know, uh, bringing in passive income. Uh, Wealth Science is going to have over a million downloads a month uh, by then. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> we'll be up there by then. The world's going to know it and, uh, and we'll have even more incredible guests. But I mean, just to echo what you said, dude, I want to be the dad that never misses the baseball game, that never... Uh, misses the practice that never misses anything like that. Like that's really the why behind my vision and and why I think real estate and, and wealth building is so powerful because I want to attain that life that allows me that freedom of maneuver to uh, to always be there with my kids and and be there with my wife and, and to smash, uh, to go through life and smash it with them. I'm pretty excited too, but thanks for, thanks for turning it on me, dude. That was, fun. that was awesome. Dude, <laughs> a million downloads a month. That is an incredible goal. I'd be excited to see that happen. 
Awesome. Well said. <laughs> Josh, thanks again, brother. I appreciate the time. And uh, yeah, dude, you're the man. Nonetheless, brother, I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for having me on, man. Hey, thanks again for listening to the Wealth Science Podcast. Take some time to subscribe and leave us a review. It really is the basis that helps us continue to bring on amazing guests each week. We have another incredible story to share next week, and I'm certain it's going to add value to this community. Please do not hesitate to reach out if there's anything I can do to help you in your journey of attaining financial freedom. Thank you again for listening, and we will see you next week.